welcome to the Wildlands. I'm Matt. And I'm David. And today's episode is sponsored by West End Sports, your five-star Yamaha dealer in northeastern New Brunswick, where you are sure to find something that revs your heart. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about striped bass and everything about it. So let's jump right into it. So, I mean, you know, being episode five and being that this is a subject that, in fact, was uh, suggested by one of our viewers or one of our listeners, and uh, he requested, uh, he or she, he, he, that's right, requested that we actually have a full-on episode only about striped bass, which is one of the most popular subjects that are, uh, well, one of the most popular and growing in popularity uh, fishing activities in New Brunswick. I don't know about you, Matt, but uh, this seems like a, a fitting one for us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's it's great to get the feedback from our, our listeners and, and, you know, uh goes to show that we do listen to the feedback and we hope uh, that we get some more and we hope that this episode pleases pleases uh, the ones that want to listen to the striped bass only. And, I mean, if you're listening in for the first time, uh, you know, uh, this might interest you to know that striped bass is, like you said, very close to a Close to our hearts, if you want to say, as uh, yeah, like, the ones that do listen from since the beginning. Uh, <laughs> I do own a, a bass fishing outfitter, so I mean, you know, uh, it's it's dear to me, and I think we'll have some fun with this episode. Absolutely. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Absolutely. And uh, like you said, you own uh, a company for that you guide for striped bass here in uh, New Brunswick. Um but it's it's not just right bass. You actually guide for more than just that one species. But uh, your demographic is definitely in that. And uh, like you said, it's you haven't mentioned the name, but it's Bass Attack Fishing in uh, in Bathurst, New Brunswick, which is one of the as you had mentioned, one of the only certified outfitters in New Brunswick for that species. Am That's I? That's right. Yeah, I mean. I, I was the first one to be registered as a kayak fishing outfitter for striped bass uh, in the province. Uh, I believe there's, uh, I think there's one or two more now. Uh, I've been operating for four years now. And uh, this, when I say registered, is that um, I'm registered with the, the New Brunswick Outfitters Association, which yes. uh, yeah, that's implies right. that which implies that I have full-on insurance, you know. Uh, fully insured. Everything fully insured. But as, as part of this group is that, uh, you know, we, we share the professional uh, aspect of guiding and outfitting. So Yeah, absolutely. Now, if we were to look at, uh, like, I, I imagine the, the viewer that, that suggested that we talk about stripe bass, uh, n- not... You know, even if that did sound kind of weird, but that wanted us to talk about this. Like we are going to look into a whole bunch of things that we, as you know, as avid fishermen that we do, uh, things that we actually recommend, things that we use, and things that you know we've seen or, or noticed over time, uh, being since the season has started. Because I mean, we've been pretty much at it since it became a thing in New Brunswick. Like we, we've been at it for a really long time. I've started, I mean, I mean, bass attack fishing started in, in uh, 2017. 
but the addiction to this started uh, the first time I went striped bass fishing here in uh, in Bathurst was in uh, 2013. Yeah, I was gonna say and it was I mean, like 2014 for me. Yeah, the, yeah, you, I, I, yeah, you probably showed up the year after, I believe. Yeah, yep. and uh, the, I mean, for me, the first time I hooked hooked one, I was hooked myself. That was it. Oh, I yeah. mean, Guaranteed. I practically stopped fishing everything else for like two or three years. Yep. And, uh, you know, concentrated on that. And then the idea for Bass Attack came from there. And then... It, it came the out long after thing. the uh, the tournament that we uh, that we went to, right? Yes, exactly. Like, that's, we went to the very first it. tournament that, that happened in Bathurst, which was the Catch and Kayak tournament. And yep. um, uh, before it was the NB Paddler Series. And then, uh, well, it was one of the, the main sponsors of the event was the NB Paddler Series. Uh, then it turned into Hook and Paddle... Uh, uh, lately but i remember that like we we all you and i and and some of our friends we went straight to that tournament being held at the uh, where was it held again it was held at that uh right beside the 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 old megalodon uh bar there yeah the uh the old post office the old post town. office in town exactly yeah. and and uh i remember that the turnout was great for that year and it was really fun he, uh stefan well stefan our buddy came in first place. You came in third place, if I'm not third, mistaken. Third that year. Yeah. Third that year. And then the year afterwards, uh, you guys placed again, if I'm not mistaken. In the I, was, I was second I was second on the second year, and uh, our buddy finished third that year. Yes, that's correct. And, you know, like, being that, I guess, since we've been around since the beginning of this, like, kind of popularity or trend. boom or trend, yeah, as you can say. Uh, I think it'd be fitting that we, we actually have enough knowledge to be able to give you guys uh, and to allow you guys to be able to use maybe some of the techniques that we use and even some of the products that we use, uh, that we swear by, in fact, uh, that you guys would be able to bring out with you on the water and catch some fish. That's really what we're looking for. And uh, no, for sure. And like, let's jump in a little bit into like, like me, I, I really want to talk about the lures. I don't know about you, but I really want to talk about lures because we've actually had even some challenges earlier on where we kind of put ourselves to a, a, a I don't know how you would say it, kind of a competition. Let's friendly say. competition. A friendly competition, especially during the time of COVID. So that really helped us yep. out. And uh, that's something I really want to talk about later on. So I'm going to let you start it off with what you like in terms of lures and, and your opinion on this. Now, for me, uh, being, like I say, bringing out uh, customers that have either rarely fished or never fished or learning to fish, I always believe that, you know, going with the simplest things was the better way to go. So when I discovered uh, soft plastics, uh, swim baits or, you know, shad baits or, or that kind of thing, uh, it really changed the game for me. Uh, it, it was cost effective as well. Because I mean, uh, you know, your bodies get wore out on the uh, on the lures, but your jig heads, you can keep them. You know, you, you can save a lot of time and money on there as well. Yeah, and we um, we used a lot of. Uh, I remember at the beginning tubes, we used a lot of tubes. Yeah, yeah tubes. white tubes. It just yeah, it worked really really. That's well. what started the soft plastic with me. Yeah, exactly. Same when here. I discovered that the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, from there, that was when we were fishing them on shore. Uh, I found the tubes on shore uh, were great. They were easy to, to get the action out of and everything. Yep. And then once we jumped into the kayaks, uh, I found the tubes 
I mean, you know, there's a little more, a little more rod action going on and, and maybe not necessarily more difficult, but, uh, for somebody that's never fished out of a kayak, maybe, you know, I thought it was a, a thing to, to jump away from. Mm-hmm. And I still use them and I still have them. And the, the clients that I bring out that are, uh, that are avid fishermen, I will still use them because they, they still work very well. Yep. Um, but I jumped to swim baits and, uh, when I, when I really hit like, uh, you know, uh, paddle tail swim baits, it, it really changed the game for me. Uh, there is one brand in particular that I do use. Yeah. Cause I was going to uh, say for, for paddle tail swim baits, there's. There's like a large a, variety. Oh, it's, yeah. like the, it's crazy. It's and, crazy and the amount that you can have or that you can choose that's from. That's it. Color-wise, length-wise, you know, uh, a whole bunch of different things. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, mm-hmm. I usually go as a general rule of thumb, uh, larger bait, larger fish. I've been proven wrong on some occasions, but on a general rule of thumb, uh, I've always you know, shot after. If I notice that we got a big school in with some larger fish, mm-hmm. I'll always go like a five and a half to a six and a half inch lure. Okay. Um, but if that doesn't seem to be working, you just drop it down to a four and a half inch and then, oh, all of a sudden you'll start catching more schoolies. Uh, that's something that I've noticed, you know, uh, I always start out with my larger lure just to see what's out there. Okay. And then if, if, uh, if nothing's hooking up, nothing's biting, or I'm not getting as many as I would like, I will jump, uh, you know, go down a size. Yeah. And then more often than not, once I go down the size, I really start hooking up a lot and even catch larger fish on the four and a halves as well. I mean, yeah. they'll still eat it. They'll still it just, eat it, yeah. You know, most times the smaller ones won't eat the bigger lures. So it, it, uh, something I've noticed too, like like you said, You'll start off with, say, the larger swim bait. Uh, try to entice, let's say, and, and yeah. it's kind of funny sometimes because the opposite of what you want to happen. Like you'll entice the fish that are in the region. And what I did notice, though, however, is that a lot of times the larger bait that we use doesn't necessarily uh, entice the strikes of the larger type of fish. Um, in my case, I think most of the larger striped bass that I've, I've, you know, caught off of, uh, have been off of smaller, uh, swim really? baits. Yeah. Uh, the really? larger ones, I mean, the small guys, the, the, the smaller sizes of striped bass, they'll just, they, they attack everything. They're just hungry. And I feel like for some reason, anything that moves, they'll go right after it. But then the larger version, like the larger size ones seem to be a little bit more picky or finicky on, on what they go after. However, I feel that at the same time, it's kind of almost the opposite when it comes to, let's say, Rapalas or jerk baits or X-Raps or different things like that. Mm-hmm. They hit larger lures, but then, again, for soft baits, for me, my larger fish are off of smaller lures. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, I just find it's kind of strange on that, and that See, aspect. And, and, that's, and that's weird, like, you know, uh, being... Well, there's one thing, though. You fish more often from shore than off of the kayaks, so I'm wondering if that makes a difference. I could. In the shallower water, yeah. maybe they're maybe they're going after something smaller. Yeah, that could you know, very well maybe be. Yeah, that could you know since I'm I'm you know out on the kayaks, we're in about I'm gonna gauge a usual average about eighteen feet of water. Yeah, but we'll we'll fish from about eight to eighteen feet. Okay, 
So maybe that makes a difference from the uh, the fish that are close to shore. Yeah, uh, uh, very it very much can be. Um, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, and uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, the fish I caught on the Miramichi Striper Cup uh, tournament that we went to mm-hmm. the first time where they they held the kayak division. Yeah, uh, I had caught uh, well one of the only bass that I caught that run or that tournament was actually off of a tube. Uh, and myself as well, I included uh, two fishing for striped bass was one of the very first introductions that I did. And uh, I find that it kind of died out a little bit lately for yeah. some very strange reason. It's just like their their behavior kind of changed. Uh, because before Maybe. that, I mean, you could, you could cast those out. Like, actually, you know what? I lied. Uh, when I think back to it, I lied saying that the, the, the tubes were the first ones that I tried. In fact, the first ones that I tried was a macro jig. Uh, yeah, The green actually. fluorescent macro jigs. And uh, that yeah. was uh, one of our buddies that introduced me to that. Uh, mm-hmm. They'd cast out like indefinitely far. And uh, mm-hmm, yeah. we wouldn't, I mean, that that was the first time that I actually started catching striped bass with a okay. lure. Uh, then afterwards, actually just came by the fact that like the tubes was just by pure hazard because I had plenty of them in my tackle from when I used to live out in Montreal, yeah. uh, in the Montreal region. And you'd use tubes for, you know, just regular largemouth, Large smallmouth bass yeah. Yeah. Uh, and pike and everything like that. So then I figured, well, why not? I, why not try? Yeah, yeah, why not try? I didn't have, I only had like two macro lures at the time, and I think I lost one. And uh, I remember like one guy was there. There was a bunch of guys on the beach. One guy was saying that they had spent, I don't know how many hours on the beach, saying that they caught nothing. And then randomly, I was like, well, well, you know, I'll try something. I knew that it wasn't that deep. So I figured, well, let's just put this on. Why not? Let's see what, <laughs> let's see what happens. First cast, boom. Got one right off the bat. Second really? cast, boom. Got another one right off the bat. And uh, from then on out, I mean, I went with the with the tubes for a really long time. And it was very fruitful. <laughs> and I did notice something as well. Uh, the tubes, they're my f- first lures i use in the spring and i i did realize that every year uh and the early early season soon as the bass show up here in the in the region i will fish with tubes and get very good success and then i stop using tubes uh during the summer i don't know if it's just a hazard of myself or i i honestly just realize that now as i'm thinking about it yeah well, yeah, exactly. Like, and and to be honest with you, last year, last summer or season, I didn't catch anything off of a tube. <laughs> I did because I'm looking. I'm looking at my laptop, which has my my background on it. It has a picture of me and my two kids at the beach. The first bass I caught of 2020, and I know I caught that one with a tube. And that was the 8th of June of last year, which was the first one I caught. And I know that's what I caught it with. Yeah. So I just realized that that's what I use early season. Yeah. No, like, and I was trying to, trying to see too, because I remember at one point, I think that was two years ago. I was, I was trying to see if I could find some photos as well. I was, I was looking through my, uh, my phone there. Uh, and I remember at one point, there was uh, where one of one of our buddies uh, was out guiding somebody from uh, from a dealership by by home. I don't know if you remember that, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he was out and they weren't catching anything and I was on the shore and I was catching stuff. But uh, to what I found on my phone, uh, I was using a different type of soft bait. I, w- I thought maybe I was using the two, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, well, to what I see, I was using a uh, 360 GT uh, in yeah. the uh, uh, fluorescent green. So uh, yeah. how do they call it? Which, what? Is, yeah. which is my go-to. <laughs> yeah. It's not fluorescent green, how they call it. No, Chartreuse. Chartreuse. There you go. That's Chartreuse. what I was trying to remember. Um, the chartreuse color, which is the straight yeah. green one or like a very fluorescent green, um, yeah. seems to be like a really good go-to when it comes to fishing for striped bass in, in, in terms of soft plastics. Um, they seem to work actually really, really well. The other one that I find works well is also the white. Yes, definitely. Because you have the transparent one and then you have the white one. Uh, that yeah. has like no glitters in it because the transparent one does have a type of glittering in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, to me, it has not really been that great of a hit on that one, but the white okay. and the chartreuse have been super good. Um, and I know that another one that somebody has been really trying to hit home uh, almost every single time we went to the tournament was the uh, shad colored one, or yeah. not the shad colored one, but the uh, smelt colored one. Yep. That uh, a lot of people have been saying that is actually very good i now what i've noticed with that too is like my go-to's are definitely green and white yeah uh i like the blue the blue one uh, i've I never tried like the, to be honest i like the smelt colored one as well and something i've learned out of this is contrary to what i uh would imagine uh you know you're using a bright color you want to use it when it gets darker and you want to use yeah. a dark color maybe in the day I've I've noticed that I'm better off to use a darker color when it starts to get dark and a bright color during the high sun. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it doesn't spook them as much. You know, like if it's getting dark and you see this really bright chartreuse green lure going by, maybe it spooks them. I'm, but I, I don't know. I yeah. use the white and chartreuse early like early afternoon to almost you know when the sun's going down mm-hmm. and as soon as it starts to get a little dark i change up to darker lures and i keep my success better that way yeah uh, well you know what it, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh one of the uh moments actually one of the times that i went fishing uh one of the first times i went fishing uh in new richmond quebec mm-hmm. uh went out uh fishing off of a jetty that was all the way out and actually it was past New Richmond. It was all, almost uh, in Bonaventure. Uh, okay. Bonaventure. And um, when jetty fishing, late at night, it was probably, I, we started probably around like 10 o'clock. So it's already dark. Uh, finished up, it was probably around like one thirty-two that we were fishing. Now, obviously, I say this, but I don't even know the legality of it. It was one of the first times I ever went fishing. I didn't even know what the rules were at the time. Uh, but there was, I, I think Quebec rules are different than ours too. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not 100% I mean, sure. I was I've not the only one Quebec there. Water, so I don't, okay. <laughs> so I would have to say like, I know like for us, what the regulations are in New Brunswick over there, I was being guided. And like I said, uh, there was probably about like 20, 25 of us on the, on the jetty okay. at that moment. Okay. So to me, the legality of it is if I was going down, there was a lot of other people that were going down <laughs> with me. Um, but, uh, no. And I mean, like, I think it was somewhere around midnight where I caught my first striped bass. And the funny thing is, is I was using tubes, white tubes. Okay. um, At the beginning. 
And there was a guy that was there and he was going like, oh, you're not going to catch anything off of that. And uh, I was like, well, I don't know. I've Back <laughs> home. Try. Yeah, back home. This is pretty much the only thing that I catch things off of well, with. Um, okay. And then he pulled out one of those like uh, storm uh, uh, kind of. Like the big shad? Yeah, but like the, the ones, it, it was almost completely black. With just a red a red throat, red area. eye, all yeah. red throat. Okay, yeah, like a red throat area, uh, weight that's inside, you know, integrated yeah. inside. That's pretty much like permanent, right? And mm-hmm. um, completely black. And I'm going like, okay, well, I can't even see it when I'm chucking it out there. So, how are they going to see it? And funny, and sure enough, <laughs> funny enough, two of them back to back. I catch yeah. two huge ones, back to back, and uh, one of them was like way over limit. We had to throw them back out. The other one, lucky enough, was under limit. Well, not under limit, but in limit, not... Keeper. Yeah, keeper. And uh, okay. no, for sure. And, and I was completely baffled by this because I couldn't even see the lure. Like, I could practically even see it at the end of the rod, like when it was dangling mm-hmm. down. So I could not understand how that could be seen in the water. But I'm almost for debating really? or almost like... I'm almost certain it's not necessarily the look of the uh, of the lure that's in the water but rather the vibration that it creates that's what i believe and that's yeah. why i like the storm gg360s because since i've discovered them with that little rattle in the jig head yeah i've noticed a substantial amount more hookups oh, and yeah. more strikes i mean i still get them off of other ones but that storm gt360 really really in my opinion is the lure to fish with out yep. there that's yep. what that's my opinion oh yeah like once we <laughs> i think we've invested a lot into that that type uh, of lure yeah like the, exactly. the group of us because and and i remember i had bought some like i had bought a button like a bunch of them but i bought really small ones because i based myself yeah. off of the tubes that i used mm-hmm. and i remember when we went to the miramichi tournament the striper cup when we got there, there was a guy that came up to us and he was going like, oh, yeah, you guys catching anything? We said, no, not really. And he goes like, oh, us, we're catching a bunch of them off of this type of lure. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, well, I have some. And he pulled out, uh, they were pink, pink and white. Mm-hmm. But they were huge <laughs> compared to yeah. the ones that we had. <laughs> like, yeah. I think we had like the four inch one or the three and a half. So anyways, they were like really small. And he had like the six ones, six or eight. Oh, what's the, no, what's he, the had, he had eights at least. Yeah, he had the eights. Anyways, they they were huge compared to what we were using, yep. but um, no, definitely. And at that point on, we upgraded because obviously we were not close to any retailer that actually had it. And unfortunately, Bathurst does not exactly does not carry those. Uh, the only place that did was Bass Pro in Moncton, and uh, even yep. I I even tried buying some off of the internet, and you can't even get them off of the internet because it says that most of them are in the states and they don't ship through Canada. Yep. Uh, which reminds me of a lure, two lures that I bought that cost me like sixty dollars. Yes, I remember those. <laughs> you never did you ever catch a fish on? It? I caught a fish off of it, okay. but um, I'm trying to remember the called? name of those. Yeah, jeez. Ah, um, spool tech. Spool tech. There you go. Thank you. Spool tech. Yeah. They look amazing. Like I bought the purple, the midnight purple one, and I bought the white kind of silverish one looking one. Yeah. Uh, with replaceable uh, soft tails on it. The top mm-hmm. of the the head is the weighted area with a bit of a rattle weighted, and it has an integrated um, 
an integrated wire, steel wire, to the hook. Therefore, when the fish attacks the, the lure and you set the hook, the hook is not directly attached to your line. There is an extension of about six inches that happens, six to eight inches that happens behind it. Therefore, the head shakes and all that are not directly impacted to your knot, but rather further behind. Yeah. Now, these things are like in the States, apparently are super popular. They're sold out everywhere. Really? And, oh, yeah. They continuously sold out. I remember out. when you bought them. I didn't, I never thought you even used them. Yeah. Like they were, they were continuously sold out in the States. And I was seeing a lot of people using them for uh, saltwater fishing. Okay. And uh, down there, they weren't using them for like pike or, or bass or anything like that. They were literally using them for like bluefish and, and I would yeah. say striped bass down there as well. Here, not so much. Didn't really work out that great, but they were expensive yeah. as ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the one disadvantage that I found like right away what happened to us, well, to mine anyways, uh, there was like, it was almost like a one-off use. Um, the spool inside, I guess our waters are just so salty that the spools inside just rusted up and seized up right away. Really? Even okay. if I rinsed them I out. Oh yeah. Really? They just rusted. And like one of them, I think it was the purple one. I couldn't even pull the line out anymore because theoretically you're able to pull it out with your hand. There was, yep. the, what's the point of having it? You're going to set it. It's just going to stay there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, no, they seized up real hardcore. And from really? that point on, I just never used them again. Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. But anyways, they look awesome. I mean, the paint job on them is just like immaculate. Yeah. But Exactly. And yeah, but, uh, and Bass Pro States, United States sells them. Bass but Pro not, Canada yeah. does not. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Hmm. And uh, no, definitely. And apart from that too, uh, something that uh, that we use, well, we talked about soft baits, right? Yeah. Another thing, now I'm I'm going to talk about it. I barely ever used it except for a popper. A popper, I have used okay. hard plastics. Um, yeah. Those worked, but I've never actually used a Rapala and or an X-Wrap. Or, well, a Rapala is X-Wrap. Uh, I've never actually used any of those. And apparently people have had like immense success with those things, but I can't, I can't really... I have Swear a bunch by of them. them. <laughs> exactly. I have a bunch of them, and I've never learned how to fish them. Nah. I mean, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of different techniques. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and well, I have I've never been shown by anyone how to use them, mm-hmm. and I was told that out of a kayak it will be hard. Well, Apparently, you need to be standing for it a lot better, like on bass boats and that kind of thing. It's a lot easier to stand to use it while That's, standing. You can use it while laying down, well, while sitting down. It's just you don't have that range of motion. You can use it dragging like, behind. I feel like I wouldn't have control. Yeah, I, yeah, you could do that. But I feel like I wouldn't have the control or the, the visual aspect of knowing how my lure is, is acting on the yeah. uh, on the water. And I just but find the, that... Yeah, I've used poppers as well. Yeah. Uh, as for, that's pretty much the only, uh, hard bait I've used. Mm. I have a bunch. If anybody can send me videos or comments or any way of using them or what the best hard bait is, mm-hmm. I would love to know because I, I think it would be interesting to, to use. I, I, I like the, I like the fact that the way they strike it is so much more violent than yeah. hitting a soft bait, I believe. Uh, and I, yeah, I'd, like to, yeah. I'd like to try that. You know, I'd really like to try that. 
Yeah, so, soft plastics, they seem to just like, they follow it and then they hit it. Like, yeah, exactly. They follow it in behind and then they'll, they'll strike at it. Yeah. Uh, hard plastics, to what I keep hearing, people say they, they break the lips off and everything like that. So yeah, they, to me, they, 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 they hit it like smack it. aggressively. Yeah. But um, the, the thing, like, I know how to fish hard plastics because I've used it for pike. I've used it for bass. Okay. Uh, large mouth, small mouth, and anything that was really in the river, in the the rivers or the little lakes there. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is I got dissuaded to using them here because we have such a high volume of weeds that mm-hmm. when you use it as a trolling lure, like behind a kayak, it just fills up. It just fills up. Yeah, you can feel the beginning that it has this action, and then it just dies out. Because all it's doing mm-hmm. is being weighted down by just a whole bunch of kelp. So mm-hmm. you just end up with just like a big chunk of kelp behind you and it, it adds up to nothing. Whereas yeah. a soft plastic, it's not the front that creates the motion, it's the back that creates the motion. Therefore, in mm-hmm. my opinion, your vibration is still you, there. It usually doesn't get jammed up too bad. And it usually doesn't get jammed up that much because it doesn't have mm-hmm. that extension of the lip, which is pretty much just like a scoop that carries everything with it. Yeah. And... Um, and the other thing too is like you got to look into the variations. A very like it's it becomes a little bit more complex when you're using hard plastics like Rapala's because yes. then you're looking at deep dives, mid dives, uh, surface ones, uh, different things like that. You got to look at these and you got to, in consequence, use them in the proper type of area that has that proper type of depth. Otherwise, you're just going to snag up on the bottom or just always stay up on top. <laughs> And see, that's a good point you're putting in there. Something I've tried last year for the first time mm-hmm. was uh, was divers for my soft baits. Uh, what do you, you mean by on, that? Yeah, like a dipsy diver. Okay. You you th- you put it on your uh, your uh, line. You tie mm-hmm. your line to it, and then you tie your your bait to that, and they are set to dive down to certain depths. Okay. So because I I was interested on that saying, you know, oh, my soft bait's always, you know, let's say three feet under while I'm railing it in. Mm-hmm. Let's get it down. I'm fishing 18 feet of water. Let's get it down. So I bought a five-foot diver and a 10-foot diver mm-hmm. to bring it down to uh, depths, and I noticed a big difference on the fish I caught as well. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, I've never yeah. used any of those. Yeah, I'll um, show you this summer. Yeah, definitely. And, um, it, well, I've never used any of those, but I know that they do use them for walleye. You can use them for yes. walleye. Those divers yes. there. Um, yeah. But uh, no, definitely, like, I just, I got persu- dissuaded from using hard plastics due to, mainly because of those things. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm standing on shore, it's just not deep enough most of the times to be able to use them. Yeah. And um, because us, the disadvantage in Bathurst is it's a progressive shore, but it's a very, like, the distance that you cast is usually not far enough to be able to reach an area which it does dip down. Some, exactly. Sometimes, and even a lot of times, where you're casting out, you can practically walk out <laughs> to oh, that distance. Oh, more, more times than not, that your casting distance from shore might bring you to four feet of water. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Like, you could maybe. you could literally walk and still be over, like, above water. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Guaranteed. So, that's that's yeah. kind of, like, one of the reasons, another large reason. Oops, sorry, I knocked my, my mic there. That's another one of the large reasons why I do not use uh, hard plastics because otherwise I'd be limited to using surface ones, which is why I use poppers. Because I know that poppers will get me on the surface. They don't get you that far. A lot of times they're quite light. 
but um, they do entice quite a lot of action off of hoppers. It's fun to get something off of that. I've they, never caught one. Yeah, they. they oh yeah, sorry, the I caught one. Yeah, they caught the surface one. like crazy. It's it's actually pretty okay. interesting. The only downside is most of the times they swallow the thing like really far down. So okay, it's that's uh, why go barbless. <laughs> yeah, well now everything's barbless. That was something I was going to talk about. Uh, yeah. Since last year, everything has been barbless. Yeah, that's and true. I mean, since last year, where where I like you know the catch and release part of it. You know, I I, I do enjoy uh, keeping one every once in a while, barbecuing it. You know, yep. it's delicious. But I believe that keeping this species going and uh and strong the uh the addition to the barbless hook at the beginning i mean non-barbless if you're doing it right you won't injure the fish you'll you know you do it properly you'll be fine when they do swallow it i mean it is difficult but there is ways to do it there's tools to use to, to yeah, still be able use to long long neck tools exactly yep. and when when they put this in because i've never fished barbless before because i didn't have to Mm-hmm. I remember when they put this in, I was happy that it was going to be good for the people that didn't know how to take out a hook with a barb. Yeah. But I was kind of disappointed for my side of it as being a guide, trying to explain to my clients that, you know, you always have to keep your your line tight, make sure he doesn't yeah, spit the hook if you feel, line. you know. And I was I was scared and worried that a lot of my my clients were going to be losing a lot of fish. Yeah, losing and, more fish uh, than than actually getting some. <laughs> exactly, we did. I did see a significant uh, increase in in lost fish, but yep. at least you know they're all happy. Get just getting to fight one of these things, and especially off of a kayak. I mean, it's it's something amazing. And which why I believe the barbless option definitely will keep this uh, this fishery going strong for a long time. Yeah. Well, me, I mean, for me, barbless fishing has pretty much been there for me in all the time. Okay. Uh, be it when I was in British Columbia, it was barbless fishing down there. Um, and then it was barbless fishing when I was in Quebec. So it just, well, like, okay. when I say barbless it's fishing. It's natural to you. Yeah, exactly. So to me, when I came down here and they're like, oh yeah, you don't have to take the barbs off of your hook. And the first years that I was here, I was like, uh, are you sure about this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is something I've always had to do like all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. I don't know. I don't know if this is just like, you're telling me this cause we're friends or is it real? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I figured it out and then all of a sudden kind of got into the habit of not having to take the barbs off. And then have to take the barb- barbs off again <laughs> as of last year. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. yeah, it it wasn't like foreign to me as a practice. It was kind of always there, uh, be it for trout or salmon when we were fishing out west. And then uh, when we, like, I would have to tell you that it was not required when we were fishing pike or different things like that, but it was required when we were fishing striped bass. So, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I... I imagine they they deemed it due to the fact that the pop the population wasn't as high at the time. Yeah, they maybe. wanted to maintain it like in a in a in a easier way. So therefore, they required that it be barbless, yeah. and also they required that it be single hook. You were not allowed to have uh, a tripod hook. Yep. You know? And that that's here as well. Uh, a yep. treble hook, treble uh, hook yeah. as of last year is no longer for here as well. Yep. So and I mean, something that I've tried. Something that I tried last year for the first time as well. I don't know if you've ever tried it. Uh, it, it never interested me before, uh, but my parents got into, str- I mean, you know, 
I have a yeah, but I have a a an outfitter, an outfitting business, and my parents had never fished for striped bass. Okay, which I found you know kind of funny because my parents are you know you know yeah. avid fishermen and hunting. I mean yes. they've been all over the place. Yeah, and they had never been right here striped bass fishing, yeah. so they started going to the the shore and fishing with bait. And one evening I wanted to go with my parents, so I I went with them, mm-hmm. and. I, I actually didn't fish, but I was helping my mom cast and this and that. And, uh, you know, the, when I was happy that they went uh, barbless circle hooks as well, because, I mean, they're swallowing those things yeah, super I mean, deep. And if you got to exactly. release them. Yeah. But, you know, we're not going to go into detail or big, you know, conversation about bait fishing, because, I mean, it's pretty much cast out, sit Self- and wait for it to feel a bite. And, you yeah. know. It's pretty much self-explanatory on what it is. But <laughs> something that drives me crazy to see, and I had never seen it because I never did shore fish much. I was always out on the kayak. Yep. Something that drives me crazy is seeing people fish on the beach. They catch a fish, they're reeling it in, and instead of reeling it in, they start walking up the beach, like away from the water and they just drag the fish into the sand yeah i've seen that too and and then they get there and they're like oh it's too small so they like push it back in with their foot they don't you know like like they try to beach it like if it's a whale yeah like exactly it it has almost no teeth (laughs) it it has feels like sandpaper i mean yeah exactly well it feels like a regular bass but i mean come on now (laughs) pulling that in tell me that you know they're doing all these efforts uh barbless hooks no treble hooks uh limits you know, a size limit, quantity limits, what, what not. And then you got, you know, I'm going to give a good 20 to 25 people on an average night at the beach here where 90% of them are just dragging the fish up onto the beach. And I've actually already said, you know, like you should just wait till he's in really shallow water and go grab him. Oh, no, no, I don't have to do that. You know, and it it's something that really bothers me. And I wish that people would realize that the harm that they're doing to the fish, doing that is, you know, a, a bad thing. Yeah, well, when I mean. everybody's trying to do something good with everything else. So yeah. it's counterproductive anyway. It's counterproductive to it. And I mean, if you think about it too, like in a certain sense, like, have you ever tried, like, when you were a kid, have you ever eaten sand? Sand sucked when it was in your mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you can imagine it's the same concept when you're dragging a fish through sand. I mean, even though it's in the water and there's sand in the water and in the waves yeah, no, and the current. No, it's not the same. I doubt hardly they enjoy being dragged upon, like, a, a bank of sand and rock. Like <laughs> Exactly. They tell I mean, you, like, oh. the mouth first with the mouth <laughs> wide open. Yeah. I mean, it, it can't be good. It can't, there there anyway. can't be anything good out of that. Like, there no. can't be anything good out of that. But so if anybody listening here and, you know, I hope you think like me and please don't do it. <laughs> and, and, you know, like most of the times, like in our advantage is we're actually waiting in the water. So we're exactly. not, we're most not even times. in the beach, uh, on the shore. We're like waiting out. Like, cause so we, again, got water we didn't around talk us. about, we didn't talk about it, but most times I'd say about 85% of the time when we're shore fishing for stripers, we're fly fishing anyway. <laughs> yeah. Lately anyways. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. So, and, you know, uh, we're we're with our waders in two feet of water at minimum, you know. Yeah, exactly. So if most times deep. the fish never, if not ways deep, exactly. So the fish, we are never bringing fish out. And even my parents that are bait fishing, they will walk up and, you know, knee deep water. They'll stand on the sand, but they'll walk in knee deep water to, 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 to lip them. 
Yeah, exactly. Get them out and measure them. Yeah. Revive them properly, you know, make sure he's not all not full of sand. Him. Yeah, exactly. We've got a nice board to put him on. We're not laying him in the sand. We're not, you know, and he's fine. Revive him and, yeah. and let him go again, you know? I mean, there's a, there's also another thing. There's, like, I would say one of my, like, pet peeves mm-hmm. uh, that I've been seeing lately. And to our viewers, if you guys fish this way, so be it. You fish this way, whatever. Uh, I mean, I'm... Yeah, no, no. That's... I'm just not going to... I'm, like... You're not gonna see me do it. You're not it. supporting it. <laughs> I, well, I mean, support what you want. I'm, you're just not gonna see me doing it, and yep. that's the thing. You know, do whatever you want to do, and and so on and so forth. But one of the my biggest pet peeves that I have is like, yeah, when I can understand it when people are macro fishing, they have mm-hmm. like four hooks on their line, mm-hmm. right? But then to me, bass fishing, striped bass fishing, is kind of like. You want it to be as challenging or as much of an activity as if you were going to salmon fishing. Like you don't go salmon fishing with six hooks on your line. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, and then when you're like, you're walking up and down the shore or whatever, trying to find your spot that you want to go fish. And then you see this guy bringing in and he's got like three of them hooked up on a line that he had all the way out there with a gigantic weight all the way down at the bottom of the water. Yep. I just like, like I said, you're not going to see me doing it because I just feel like it's, it's, it takes away that 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 pleasure, that challenge, that you know. Yeah, the, I'll, of, I'll agree. I hundred percent agree. Yep. I just feel like you're. I mean, if you want to go macro fishing, just go macro fishing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. <clears throat> and like I said, I'm not trying to dig dirt on anybody. It's just that's the way yeah. that I feel about it. I I um, agree to you. To be honest, and I, I make I make my own. Well, for my my parents, I made their their rigs, uh, for bait fishing. Mm-hmm. And because my dad had bought some with double hooks and he was saying it was a pain, you know, you, you catch a fish, you're trying to, to get them off the hook. You got another hook wailing around, just ready to stick you in the arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, he's like, yeah. I'm going to cut it, but we can't cut it because then the whole rig falls apart. So yeah. I made him some new ones with a, with a single hook. <laughs> with a single rig on it, you know. Exactly. And, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay with that because I tell myself, you'll be bringing in that line when one fish hooks onto it mm-hmm. because I also tell myself that somebody that has six lures out there will only start bringing in his line after a certain amount of time. And you know, there could be one fish that's already dead on the end of it. Yep. Cause I Definitely. mean, it, it, like this may be a myth. I don't know, but it could be. And, but I strongly believe in it is that, uh, something that I learned in the past, a fish in fact, stops oxygenating water through its gills if it is in distress, therefore being caught. So when you're, that's why they say like, you don't want to tire a fish out too much because you're literally okay. making the fish drown when you catch it. Hmm. So the faster that you can unhook it and put it back into the water, then it will start to re-oxygenate itself as normal with its gills. That's why they say you kind of revive it. You're, you're resuscitating it in a certain sense. Okay. And like I said, this could be a myth, but I was told this a while back uh, as being one of the reasons why a lot of fish die when you're bringing it in or when people try to fight it for too long is because literally that fish is like, it may be oxygenating. Yeah, yeah, it may be putting oxygen through its its gills, but not as it usually does at a very lower limit. And therefore, hmm. like you say, you're suffocating it. So that's you know. the first time I hear that. Yeah. But I'd be very interested on on knowing if anybody out there is listening uh, that can confirm this or not. Yeah, exactly. I would, I would really like to. 
So that's why, in my opinion, when you got six lures on your line, say you catch two on there and you're waiting for the sixth one to get on. Well, I mean, those two there have been on there for a really long time. You may be fighting the sixth one only for like 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. But the five other ones have been on there for a half an hour. You know what I yep. mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hmm. chances of you putting them back out probably slim to none. Or slim. Slim to none, yeah. Exactly. And chances of them being a proper size, well, we'll let them be the judge of that. Exactly. But, uh, now, so, so we talked about the lures and everything. Mm hmm. Now, uh, for, for fishing rods, I mean, I know you and I both have the same, uh, one for, for our spinning rods. Yep. Uh, we have the, the reason, the reason I bought that one and I believe the same reason as you is because it's versatile enough to be able to fish, uh, from shore and from the kayaks. Cause I mean, ideally you have one for each, mm -hmm. you don't want a 10 foot rod on a kayak and you don't want a seven foot rod on shore. Mm -hmm. But since we fish mostly out of the kayaks, when we do lure fish, because like I say, we fly fish from shore, yep. uh, we went with a seven foot one piece. Uh, yeah, one piece I find is the better the better option. Oh, definitely go. In my my opinion, uh, if you're going to be fishing out of a boat or a kayak, uh, seven foot one piece is great. Mm -hmm. uh, I was What's suggested way back. Uh, it <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, um, offshore. I use the offshore angler uh, brawler from yep. Uh, That's it. Bass Pro Shops. That's correct. Uh, I was suggested back uh, a while back to use a medium heavy to uh, for stripers, and uh, if I was to go back, yeah, I mean, since I have a bunch of these rods uh, for my clients, I won't be changing them unless they break. But if I was to go back, uh, I would go to just a medium. To be honest with you, I like the feel of it a little bit better. I don't think you need. In a seven-foot rod, you're not casting out two, three-ounce uh, lures. Yeah. Uh, I would I would personally go down to a medium. Yep. Now, uh, from shore, you know, uh, there you're looking for distance. Mm -hmm. You're looking for eight, nine, ten-foot rods, a good surf rod. Yeah, you're, uh, you're looking for good surf rods on that one. Yeah, you're, you're good. I mean, that'll make a big difference on your casting and, mm -hmm. and uh, your feel and again there like i say i don't fish from shore with bait mm -hmm. so i've never really had the feel to say oh yeah medium heavy or medium or whatnot but uh i'm talking about lengthwise because i know for a fact a seven foot rod from shore you're you ain't getting anywhere near the guys with 10 foot rods yeah so no no for i sure. would suggest i would suggest 10 foot rod from shore yeah uh, uh seven foot rod boat kayak I don't know yeah. anything else on there, but well, you know, you know, like you bring up a good point too with the medium heavy and medium the action of the rod. Yeah, uh, myself personally, like I have the medium heavy as well. Mm -hmm. uh, being on a kayak, most of the times that we're trolling, I find that the uh, the unfortunate thing about it, I find that you just lose a bit of the action that you want to have out of the fish. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times, actually, you even pull out the lure. Uh, yes. Due to the fact that there's not enough give, uh, exactly the, in the spine of it. Like, exactly, but, it's uh, like yeah, the, the the strike of the fish. What, like you say, a good point when you're trolling. Uh, the strike of the fish with the stiffness of the rod. Sometimes he strikes it, and you're the fact that you're moving at a at a speed. Uh, when he hits it, I I did notice that the 
you do lose a lot there, either if they spit them or if they yep. pull it out or you break your line. Yep. I actually broke some line on that one as well. Yep. And uh, what I do like, however, I do like that weight um, of of rod uh, when I'm shore fishing, though. And the reason why yes, uh, is that weight of rod when I'm shore fishing, however, will give me a little bit more action into the lure because when I'm, say, fishing off of a kayak, most of the times I'm on a troll. So yep. having a heavy action rod doesn't necessarily give me the um, the pleasure of, you know, bringing in the fish as I would mm-hmm. when I'm on shore um, and wanting to get that action. I don't need to make an action into the lure when I'm trolling. Yep. I do when I'm on shore. Uh, however, I would have to say that my preference in regardless of the action itself would always be medium. Um, yeah. I have the uh, Moonshine Rods Rambler that I was sponsored in, well, the, that we were sponsored uh mm-hmm. and um i it's, it's a medium action i think it's a i think it's a seven seven, seven foot. foot yeah yeah it's yeah. a seven foot two piece uh i'm usually an advocate of one piece rods uh but like i said this one here was uh supplied to us and i love it and it's a really great rod it's a medium action rod i'd use it anytime if i were trolling i haven't been able to to use it out trolling yet but i have been able to use it on shore and it's just really a fun a fun thing to use when you're catching fish off of it. And you have the moonshine fly rod as well. Yes, I have the uh, Outcast. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I also, so. I have the Outcast in the uh, spay rod, ver- uh, well, the switch version, uh, as well as the four foot and the nine foot version, which eight is... Foot. Uh, eight foot. Yeah, sorry. I said yeah, nine foot. Four eight foot, foot fly rod ain't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, uh, I was saying the, yeah. it's you a four the piece. And the nine? That's what four, I was... Okay. It's a four-piece rod, okay, and not a four-foot. Four so it's a seven and nine and a uh, and an eleven and something, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, but they're all four-piece rods. So okay. yeah, <laughs> which is fun. It, it fine. I find it's it's like I said. These were all all these rods were thankfully supplied by Moonshine Rods, which is the company that uh, from the United States that that creates these handmade rods. They're uh, they're really a small nice, batch. Yeah company rod uh, uh making and yep. uh it's they're really fun to use uh, and very budget friendly so that's yep. what i like quality about. products exactly um but yeah if we go back to the the rods i use the brawler medium medium high action same as you one piece yeah and exactly. uh, the only disadvantage i find about them is <laughs> if you have a car it's a bit hard to bring them in yeah but if you have a truck that's like it. us it's okay yeah <laughs> don't worry about it yeah <laughs> don't worry about it you put them in the tail and in, in the in the tr- in the back there and you're good you're good to go exactly yeah. now i don't know about you but i mean when this when our listeners are going to be listening to this episode i mean there's going to be 30 what what did i calculate a while ago 35 days left till the season opener here in, in yes. New Brunswick. yep um, i can't wait ah, i can't wait either <laughs> the bad thing with that is that it's 35 days till the season opens does not mean it's 35 days till we start catching fish. Not in bathers anyways. Exactly. You know, southern part of the province will probably start catching them a bit earlier. I I never heard of anybody start the exact time they start catching them. Miramichi gets them pretty early, though. Miramichi gets them, well, the the Striper Cup is usually somewhere in May. May. Yep. So, yeah, they get them, you know, they probably don't have them right away in the 15th, but I think it was one year it was like the 21st of May. Yeah, some of that. Yeah, that was the year we went to the tournament. It was the uh, the 21st of May. Yeah. And I mean, so, you know, for everybody listening, when this comes out, 
35 days season opens in Brunswick. Uh, (laughs) But Bathurst, I'm guessing somewhere by my calculations because I know the earliest I've ever caught. No, beginning of June. Beginning of June. Don't push it till the end. (laughs) Yeah, but if I push it to the end, then people are going to be like, hey, I caught some earlier and they're going to be happy. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm always the one to try to like be the first one to catch them. Yeah, so yeah. I know every year I'm backing up two days. Oh, yeah. Like uh, I started I off somewhere around the, the 14th of June, then it went yeah. to the 12th, then it went to the 10th, and last year was the 8th of June. It was the first fish I, I caught. I remember some so, days I'd be out, like, I think it was, like, in May. It was still cold trying, and everything like that. Yeah, we tried it trying. a couple times. It was nothing I know. there. <laughs> no, no, I know, but we have to try. Oh, yeah, well, so, we will anyways. Uh, I mean. So, exactly. But that it, gives us nature. still 89 days like that's that's almost not depressing but yeah, discouraging anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's just, you know, that's three too months much. from now. That's too much. <laughs> but but uh, uh, no, uh, I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, I can't wait either. And I think this year, what it, all depending on on the availability and and COVID and everything like that, like definitely would be in, it would be interesting because I remember you and I we went fly fishing and if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, it was in May, and it wasn't Miramichi for, for straight bass. <laughs> Where we were uh, freezing our hands. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was, was a, cold. That was that was end end of May. Yeah, because, because there was still some slush around. There was still some slush. And the thing is, is that that was right before you went back up north to work. Yep. And while you were on your first run was when I started catching them down here June eighth. Yep. So I mean right. we had we had to be there after May twenty fifth, I'm gonna guess. Yeah. In Miramichi. Well, probably and, around uh, there, yeah. Somewhere around there, and we were unable to hook up. There was a bunch of people fishing, remember? Like, yep. everywhere, every little <laughs> cove you found, there was people there, and there they was, were catching. We just didn't get catching. lucky. Yeah, we just didn't get lucky, but, and on top of that, there was but even we one guy that fishing. lost a, Yeah, there was one guy that lost a propeller. Oh, yeah, the guy <laughs> that ran his boat into the into the mud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Happy it wasn't him. Yeah, and you lost a lure. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I lost a lure. Well, that's that true. sucks. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Th- yeah. That that deafening line snap yeah. here at the end of your cast. You know it's yeah. one of your best casts. It's always yeah. on your best cast. That was going to be the one. Yeah, you know that it. That was going to be the one. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. You know. But um, no, for sure. And, you know, we could jump into the reels that we use, uh, everything like that. I think we should just briefly go over it. If you guys do go into some of our past episodes, especially in season one, we it's, do actually talk about our favorite uh, our favorite reels, yeah. uh, even uh, put it in a spotlight as product of the day. We so talk what about we, maintenance on them. We talk about maintenance another, on them. On another episode. Exactly. And like when I say that we've talked about it, this it's not just in one episode. We've had many episodes that we talk about maintenance of them. Uh, we talk about our fly reels preferences, and we also talk mm-hmm. about our casting reel preferences. Uh, mm-hmm. So if we do look into it just briefly, I mean, for myself, it's, I, I go for pen, pen reels for casting. Uh, I also love the Orvis reels for fly fishing. Yeah. Um, and then I have a, a guide reel, uh, however, for my, uh, my switch, which I only just recently acquired, but for the rest of them, I like the Orvis. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, for you, I don't, I don't, I know, I you, you know, you know me again. Uh, for anybody that either knows me, follows me, uh, follows Bass Attack Fishing on Facebook, or uh, has listened to other episodes, big Orvis guy, uh, fly rods, 
uh, reels, everything. Yep. Uh, for my spinning reels, I'm a, I mean, I've always had pen. Yep. Uh, I'm looking into uh, another brand. Uh, I'm looking into Daiwa. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I know you've been into that one lately. I used the Daiwa uh, last season. One of my buddies had one, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, my pens are still running fine, and I've always had pen. I would have a really hard time switching over, mm-hmm. but uh, they will definitely be in the consideration uh, for when I do change. If yeah, yeah, I I will look into the pros and cons of of changing. Yeah. All right. So with that, I mean, this is this has been one of the. Let's say this is an episode of what we use for bass striped bass fishing. Uh, in New Brunswick and whatnot, and uh, what we have as a product of the day. I'm going to let you jump onto this one, Matt, uh, for what we use as a product of the day for so, striped bass. Again, again, our product of the day, we somewhat went over it really fast earlier. Um, I'm gonna, I really want to push out the, uh, the Storm GT360 lures. Oh, I mean, yeah. they were literally a game changer for for all of us here when we, uh, when we discovered them. Yep. Um, you know, uh, as we were became saying, a while <laughs> became, oh yeah, became a definite obsession and they're very difficult for us here to get them. Nobody supplies them locally. Uh, in Bathurst. not much anyway. That's in Bathurst, exactly. Locally. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no definite game changer. I use them in all three sizes, the three and a half, the four and a half and the five and a half. Mm-hmm. most often again is like I said, I use the five and a half and if nothing's happening, then I'll jump down to the, uh, the smaller ones. Uh, they came out last year was the first year that I used them. I wasn't sure if they existed before, if they were new for last year or if they were not available in Canada or not, but they do have them with a lip a diving lip on them. They do yes. have them. Uh, they do have them weedless. Yeah, last which year. I used both. I used both of those last year. Yeah, and I discovered last year that the jig heads for the the three and a half are a quarter ounce. The no one eighth ounce. Sorry, the four and a half are a quarter ounce, and the five and a half I always thought only had a three eight ounce, but I discovered half ounce uh, last year, which I don't know if it was just by I bought some half not, ounce ones. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd never realized they had them or if they were new from last year, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I always had 3.8, and yep. last year I got half half ounce. I like those a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they did have a barbless option. Yeah, rather than crimping the ends than, the time. Than crimping them, because yeah. I always feel like I'm not crimping them like 100%. You always have that little little lump there that I wish I didn't have. Yep. But, I mean, that's that's a minimum. But the the action on them the look of them the rattle in the jig head uh the amount the the toughness of the bodies on them i mean we're catching we're catching a lot of bass i mean uh, on a good year with a good year of, of clients coming out i mean you know we're catching 50 60 bass a night and i mean i might change old bodies once or twice a night depending on if it's always the same guy catching the fish or you know uh but no toughness the look the action i mean it they they just 
they just hit that thing like crazy. So yep. definite my go-to lure is the Storm GT360. And I believe if anybody has never tried it before, find it. If you can, try it. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Yep. And uh, I mean, we're looking at like, if I'm not mistaken, the only downside that I find about these products uh, is I find the jig heads only come in packs of two. Yes. Um, and then your uh, your soft baits come in pack of five, if I'm not mistaken. Six. 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 Okay. Yep. Um, which is a bit unfortunate because your jig heads are usually, if you lose if you lose your jig head, you lose also the soft bait and you only got one left. But one of the big advantages that I do find about them, a lot of times they're on sale at Bass Pro. Uh, and secondly, they last, if you can keep them, you know, if you can keep if them, you don't they lose last that a jig really head. long time. <laughs> if you don't lose that jig head, I mean, I've never, no, sorry. I've caught one that opened one hook one time on a four and a half inch. Like a, it bent the hook back. Okay. But I mean, on the five and a half, I've never had a hook bend. I've never had a hook break. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they're always super sharp, super pointy, you know, easy to set. Yep. Uh, once you're debarbed, super easy to get out, you know, uh, great, great lure. Yep. All right. So with that said, I think we pretty much went over every single little thing that we so far know about and what we, you know, we kind of like. What we use, what, what we, we do. use, what we skimmed, how we use it. Our preferences. Like our preferences. Our and pet so peeves. <laughs> our pet peeves about it. Um, and definitely, I mean, stay tuned because we're not, this isn't going to be the only time that we're going to be talking about striped bass. This is something that we talk about quite often due to the fact that it's, it's, a, it's a sport that, or actual activity that we avidly practice. Um, but definitely if you, uh, I mean, again, once in again, 89 like, days, in 89 days, I'm <laughs> guessing we'll be talking about it again. We'll be talking about it again. Definitely. <laughs> and, uh, with that said, again, I'd like to thank all the sponsors that, uh, well, the sponsors that we have, um, that help us with this show. I'd also like to thank all those that are listening, um, and the comments and everything like that. And as you see, like today, we used a comment and we made a show about it. So this is something that we are throwing out to you guys. Like again, if you guys got any ideas or suggestions of things you guys want us to talk about, we're more than welcome please to do lead so. Us, please let us know. It's please fun for us, us as well. Exactly. It's fun for us as well. Absolutely. It gives a good conversation piece. So with that said, I'd like to wish everybody a great day and uh, have a good one. Huh? Yeah, man. See ya.